And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Excited about the show today. Dr. Chris Bruno is in my studio. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. And then in hour two, I'll be joined by David Wheaton and Kim Katola. So it's going to be a wonderful couple of hours. Here in the Midwest, I know in Minneapolis today, we've had the temperatures drop. And I think they call it a cold snap. I guess when it's cold, it snaps. Which makes sense, because a lot of people snap when it gets cold. And the heat always, that always seems to wave. Heat waves. And let's see, fog, I guess that blinds people. And humidity, well, that probably snuggies. I don't know. But I was looking at some of the early people that came to Minnesota, and they were talking about survival. Can you imagine building these little log homes and trying to have, uh, I mean, there's no furnace, and you don't run to the grocery store, Um, And if you were leaving this country and you even had fur pelts, you would have to leave them behind. Because once you got into your little log cabin, you would want to hang stuff to try to keep the draft from coming in. But they would leave the fur pelts in their home country in favor of what they would talk about as more essential survival items. Because most families in the early days, you could only bring one chest for the whole family. So this uh, author was saying you'd You'd bring only the absolute necessary things like your Bible and then other boots and things like that. But I just love the fact that was the number one thing that they wanted to make sure they brought was their Bible. And then this uh, Indian writer, uh, Gerald Visinor, said uh, from the White Earth Reservation in northwestern Minnesota, suggested a unique item necessary to survive a harsh winter And that's a good storyteller. It's something you want in adverse situations, and sitting around laughing makes you feel warm, he said. So I think it's always good to uh, hear good stories, and we're going to hear one of the best stories ever, and that's going to be the story of the Bible. And Chris has written a book called The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. I had him on a while ago, and we got started, but we didn't get very far, so we're going to try to cover the rest of it today. And Chris was nice enough to bring five copies of the book along. So I will be able to give out five copies of the book. So let's uh, take a short break and bring on Chris. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. How true that is. It is so important to learn and grow in our faith by getting into God's word every day. Faith Radio can help with that. Just go to myfaithradio.com and sign up for the verse of the day. You'll receive a daily email with scripture and encouragement. Or sign up through a web link by texting the word VERSE to 555-888. Keep growing in your faith with the Faith Radio Verse of the Day. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. One lazy June day many years ago, my cousin Eddie took me on a wild river ride. I was brand new to being paralyzed and in a wheelchair. But Eagle Scout Eddie rigged a foldable beach chair in front of his canoe, and off we went, canoeing down the Gunpowder River in Maryland. At first, we lazily paddled along, but then came a turn in the river, and when I saw the white water underneath me, I got the strangest feeling. I was scared, yet relaxed, knowing that expert Eddie was in control. If you have physical limitations, how long has it been since you've pushed yourself out of your comfort zone? I'm not asking you to do anything dangerous. Just do something different. 
How about an overnight to a new location? Or maybe taking a college course? Well, grab your Eddie, whoever that might be, and just do it. From disabilitycampaign.org, you'll have yourself a great adventure. All right, before we get started and I bring on Chris Bruno, I just want to mention, if you have not heard, Tony Evans, his beautiful wife, Lois, uh, passed away at the end of last month. She died on December 30th, and she had quite a life and quite a legacy. Uh, So Dr. Lois Irene Evans has passed into the loving arms of God. And if you go to Tony's website, TonyEvans.org, you can... uh, pray for the Evans family. You can also send a card if you are so inclined. There's a post office box in Dallas you can send a, a card to. Um, and you can just uh, see her very, very lovely picture. Tony's uh, such an amazing, gifted speaker and teacher, and our hearts go out to that family at this time and just want to be holding them up in prayer and uh, let all of Tony's support family and loved ones know that we care and that we love you. All right. My guest is Dr. Chris Bruno. He's in studio today. He's uh, a professor of New Testament and biblical theology, and he's back to uh, t- talk about his book, The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. Chris, welcome back. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be back with you. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year to yeah. you. Yeah. Now, last time we were here, we got started, and it was really great, but we just didn't get very far. And I thought the time we spent was amazing. So maybe we can do a little tiny brush up on where we started and then pick up from there. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. I mean, as we uh, go into the story of the Bible, maybe just a quick word. Uh, we were talking a minute ago about how this time of year people are starting afresh mm-hmm. on their Bible reading plans. And uh, hopefully, uh, what's today, January 8th? 8th. Uh, so it's not too late to start <laughs> right. or to catch up. <laughs> right. But this is this is this great little book that will help you get a big picture yeah. as you get into the, the study of Scripture this year. That's right. What I was going to say is, uh, you know, as we're reading through Scripture, it can be easy to get bogged down in certain sections. And I think having in, in mind where the particular section in Leviticus or Numbers mm-hmm. or Amos or whatever book you're reading fits into the larger story will help you just kind of keep keep in mind the whole context and be able to keep going and fit it in in, in a way that will maybe help you uh, not lose sight of that larger story while you're slogging through the sacrificial system in Le- Leviticus. And, and maybe that's even where it's about where we left off last time. I mean, in our time together uh, several months ago, we talked through creation, how mm-hmm. God created all things. He rules over all things. He created human beings to represent him and to have fellowship with him. But human beings sinned. They turned away from him in the, in the fall. But God promised to one day defeat sin and death. He promised to crush the head of the serpent, which is pointing forward to his great plan of redemption. So we started talking through that, how he chose a particular family, the family of Abraham, and through Abraham and through Abraham's descendants, he would one day defeat sin and death and uh, make the world right again. And so through that family, uh, he began, we hear this story of how God is working to make all things new. Through Abraham's family, his, his uh, descendants eventually ended up in uh, Egypt. Um, and this is about where we left off last time, or at least this it's, is where it, it's exactly where we left off. But I just want to back up a little bit, oh, Chris, sure. only because 
the discussion on creation was so fantastic, and I never, ever get tired of that. And that verse is, um, the, the verse you chose was Genesis 131. Um, I'm just going to boot that up here real quick. And just the whole story of creation is so powerful. I never get tired of it. And if you wanted to touch on that a little bit, uh, that would be fine with me as well. Let me just get 131. Um, it says, and uh, and God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Yeah. Um, I'm a, <laughs> there's so much we could unpack there. But when we talk about creation, uh, we need to begin by reminding ourselves that God created the world be good. Uh, he has given us all things richly to enjoy, is what Paul later tells us. But even in the very first chapter of Genesis, we see that that creation itself is a good thing. It's a thing that is not. Sometimes as Christians, we have this idea that you know we need to escape creation, or once we get separate the soul from the body, then then we'll be okay. And that's just not the. The biblical emphases. Uh, the biblical emphases is, is that God created us to live in His creation, and and where this story is headed, which you know, spoiler alert, but there is a new creation coming, and the new creation that's coming is a new heavens and a new earth where we will dwell in resurrected bodies. All who are united to Jesus will dwell with Him forever in the creation. Now, there there is a lot of questions about that that we don't have answers to. Yeah, what exactly will that be like and that sort of thing? You are declaring such great news. Yeah, it, it is great news. This is it, this is good news to all the people. It's what we just celebrated uh, right. a few weeks ago, <laughs> right. that uh, the Savior has come. But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right. That's okay. And another one of the verses of, of the whole story of the Bible in 16 verses comes from Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. All right, that gets to be a little controversial today as well, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, the image of God, all human beings, both individually and as a collective, we bear the image of God. Mm -hmm. And it's important to note in that verse that both men and women bear the image of God Mm -hmm. throughout the history, even the history of the church uh, to our shame. At times, some have uh, argued that women bear less of the image of God or that women don't bear the image of God. But uh, the scriptures are very clear that men and women both bear the image of God. Men and women together also reflect the image of God and the the relationship within the Trinity in a, in a way that uh, is hard to uh, to wrap our minds around. But this idea of community within God himself um, is, I, I think, it is even to some degree reflected in the way men and women relate to each other, that we have community with each other and that we are uh, sharing in really the life of God when we are relating to each other rightly. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the uh, brush up on Some of the things we discussed last time you were in, Chris Bruno is my guest, and his book is called The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. He was nice enough to bring in five copies of the book, so that means I can give out five copies. There will be a drawing, so all you have to do is text the word book, nothing else, just the word book to 877-933-2484, and you'll get a link to fill out, and you can be in the drawing. Let's take a little break. I'll be right back in 90 seconds.
Take the next step in making your dream of being a published writer a reality. Get your ticket for the 2020 Northwestern Christian Writers Conference, July 24th and 25th. The Northwestern Christian Writers Conference brings top Christian writers, publishers, and literary agents together for two days of learning and networking. Tickets are on sale now, and for the month of January, get 20% off the full ticket price. Find out more and register online today at NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. God promises us hope and a future. Every morning, it starts my day. Every night, I finish my day. And it has gotten me through um, so many loved family members who have passed away over the past couple of years. That I love it. I donate, and I'm so excited that they're on there every day. Well, what I appreciate about Faith Radio is just the good programming that they have. It's Christ-centered, and it just points people to God. It's so important in today's society. This is Faith Radio. Hello, friends. I'm Ravi Zacharias from Just Thinking. Our mission is to help the thinker believe and the believer to think. On our daily broadcast, we want to address the ideas that shape the culture with the truth of the scriptures and help believers contend for the faith and give an answer for the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. Every day, Faith Radio offers programs like ours and many others to teach, equip, and disciple believers to a deep and active walk of faith. And this is only possible because of generous friends providing the financial means for this ministry outreach to continue. Would you join me, please, in supporting Faith Radio today? And here's how you can get involved. Become an ongoing monthly giver by calling 877-93-FAITH or make your gift safely and securely online at myfaithradio.com. Thank you, and God bless you. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Chris Bruno is in studio and a little inside to this book that he wrote, the whole story of the Bible in 16 verses. He wrote it while he was pastoring a church in Hawaii. All right. Now, if you're feeling mild resentment, just raise your hand. Oh, Chris, there's a lot of hands up in the air right now. <laughs> but, you know, just for people that live in Minnesota to go live and work in Hawaii is kind of a nice deal. Yeah, you know, there are some perks to uh, to being there. Yes, but, uh, indeed. You know, like any place, people are people. They I need know. the gospel. That's true. But, That's uh, true. You can share the gospel on the beach there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to um, a verse, uh, Exodus twelve twenty three, the Passover lamb. Let's uh, pick up there. Yeah, so um, God's people are in slavery at this point. So God... Sin and death enter the world in the garden when Adam and Eve turn away from him. But God promises to redeem his people, to redeem the world, and he's going to use this particular family. Now, the problem is, is this family ends up in Egypt in slavery. Um, the If you know the story of Joseph, he was sold by his brothers into slavery at the end of Genesis. He ends up being the second in command in Egypt, mm-hmm. only to the king Pharaoh. And eventually, he brings the whole family down. But somewhere along the way, as the family continued to multiply after several generations, there was a new dynasty in Egypt, and they enslaved uh, Abraham's family and put them to work. And so they were crying out for God to deliver them, and and that's exactly what he does. Through the ten plagues, he brings them out of Egypt, and the last of these plagues is the death of the firstborn son. Now, it's... uh, This is striking because God requires his people 
to sacrifice a lamb and to put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And what this is, is showing us is that the Israelites, just like the Egyptians, uh, are under God's judgment because of their sin. So even this family of Abraham, uh, they too are sinners. Uh, the, the sin problem has not been solved. And so what, what the, the lamb who is sacrificed represents is that God's people need a substitute. Mm-hmm. So they need somebody to uh, atone, to pay the price for their sin. And so the the Passover lamb is the first of many sacrifices that we see. So as as God's people go out of Egypt, they go to Mount Sinai, God gives them the law. There's a lot to the law, but one of the key parts of the law is the sacrifices, the, the whole sacrificial system. And a big part of the sacrificial system is to show God's people that they need a substitute, that they cannot pay for this sin on their own, that they, they can't solve it. So if the two big problems in this story are sin and death, uh, the sacrifice of the Passover lamb and then the sacrifices of the law continue to show the people over and over again that they need a substitute. So just think through the history of Israel. Now, there were lots of times where they were not keeping the law. There were lots of times where they were not actually offering the sacrifices that they ought to have been offering. But during those times that they were, every time they saw an animal sacrificed, that was a graphic reminder to them that this should be you. This should be you who is taking uh, this punishment on yourself. So there are lots of different ways that uh, sacrifices are offered. There are different reasons that sacrifices are often offered. But at the end of the day, one of the key reasons why these sacrifices are offered is to show God's people that they need a substitute. But the problem was the sacrifices kept getting offered over and over and over and over again. None of them was sufficient to actually pay the price that needed to be paid. None of them was sufficient to to do the job that to end all other sacrifices so that there didn't need to be this continual offering uh, for their sins. So the, the sacrificial system continued throughout Israel's history, but it was a constant reminder that sin is still present among us. Sin needs to be dealt with. And, and so as they entered into the land, as they, they conquered the land, through the period of the judges into the period of the kings, which I'll get to in just a second, uh, they should have been offering these sacrifices as a reminder that their sin needs to be dealt with. Now, as the story moves forward, I'm going to move us to the next uh, verse uh, in 2 Samuel 7. Now, we're making a big jump here. Last time I was on, we went, you know, kind of plotted our way through Genesis. Here we're jumping from Exodus mm-hmm. to Second Samuel 7. Now, a- after Israel had gotten into the promised land and settled in the land, eventually they asked for a king. Uh, they asked for a king uh, who was like, uh, they asked for a king like the nations around us. Now, there, there's kind of a, a, a play on words there because on the one hand, they asked for a king so that they might be like the nations around them who have a king. But what God, the the king that they get is actually like the nations around them in that he's leading them toward disobedience to the Lord. And that that king is King Saul. 
Uh, King Saul disobeyed the Lord and was ultimately removed from the throne, and God installed David as king. And, and again, we're we're jumping quickly over story after story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the story of David and Goliath, or probably many of most of your listeners do, that David represented the nation and defeated Goliath in a single combat, so to speak. So while Saul and all of the other mighty soldiers were afraid, David defeated Goliath, the enemy of God's people. So we have the the anointed one, the one who had been anointed as king, representing the nation and defeating Goliath, defeating the enemies of God in the battle. And, and that's a picture of uh, what the king was intended to do. The king was the one who was to represent the people and defeat the enemies of God. But the problem with David is that um, he, too, had the same problem that Israel had from generation to generation to generation. David was a sinner. Mm-hmm. David, uh, we know, committed serious sin. He uh, he chose to commit adultery with Bathsheba. He had her, her husband Uriah killed in battle. So remember, throughout this whole story, we should be looking for the offspring of the woman who will come and defeat the enemies of God. Uh, God promised that through Abraham's family, there would be this, this offspring, this descendant. And then he narrowed it down to the tribe of Judah in Genesis 49. And remember, David comes from the tribe of Judah. So David, maybe some thought that he could be the one, but he sinned. And then he died. So again, sin and death are mm-hmm. still in the picture. Yeah. Uh, sin and death continue to hover over... <laughs> Uh, all of the world, uh, all of God's people, the, these problems need to be dealt with for uh, God to keep his saving promises. Chris, should I read these two verses out of Second Samuel? Yeah. Chapter yeah, 7, that, yeah, that'd be great. starting Thanks in well. verse 12. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Yeah, so you have this promise to David. God makes this covenant promise to David that he will establish his kingdom forever. Um, That he will raise up your offspring after you. So again, we have this offspring theme that shows up again. The offspring of the woman, the offspring of Abraham, the offspring of Judah, now the offspring of David. And God promises that he will establish his kingdom and he will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So David's offspring will have an eternal kingdom. David's offspring will build a house. This is probably talking about the temple which we'll talk about in a second, and he'll have a dynasty or, or a reign that lasts forever. Now, some might say then, if it's not David, well, maybe it's Solomon, his son. Is he the offspring who will reign uh, over the kingdom? Well, that's, Sol- 
That's a cliffhanger we kind of know the answer to, which is going to be great. But I do need to take a break, Chris. When we come back, we'll uh, finish up some of the verses in the Old Testament and and get on to the New Testament. Um, Chris Bruno is my guest, and his book is The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. It's a great little book, especially if you're getting your Bible study started in the new year. And I've got five copies of the book, compliments of the Crossway uh, Bookstore and Chris, who brought five copies in if you want to get in on the drawing. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be back in 90 seconds. It's a new year and a new decade. Perhaps you're a relatively new listener to Faith Radio. If so, welcome. We'd like to send you a free welcome packet. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the link that says Get Your Welcome Packet. Submit your contact information and we'll send you some materials about our mission and ministry. You can also encourage a friend to request a welcome packet too. Thanks for listening and blessings to you throughout this new year and beyond. 2020 has special things in store. An election, the Olympics, a leap day. And that trip to Europe I've been asking for. Well, some of those things are certain. As you listen to Faith Radio and firmly plant yourself in the truth of God's Word, you'll find hope in the thing there's absolutely no doubt about. The character of God. Connecting Faith to Life. Faith Radio. Here's one way you can spot a Christian. I am Dr. Randy Carlson with an Intentional Living Minute. The Bible says that Christians love one another. Scripture teaches us that Christians obey God's commandments and are intentional in how we live from day to day. But Jesus goes on to say that whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 10. As I was reading that again last night, I was thinking, one of the ways you can spot a Christian, do you know someone who really openly and intentionally shares their testimony of what God is doing in their life? Are we doing that every day? When we do, that's intentional living. Go to theintentionallife.com slash minute to get the Intentional Living Minute in your email every day. Life has spiritual tsunamis that come at you and want to suck you down and suck you in. But Dr. Tony Evans says having the Lord in your life makes you much stronger than any storm. Because he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Biblical advice to guide you toward God's best in the new year. This week on The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans. Evenings at 6.30 on Faith Radio. 30 on Faith Radio. Welcome back. Dr. Chris Bruno is my guest in studio. We're chatting about his book called The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. Who doesn't want to get their hands on this? I've got five copies to give out. If you want to get in on the drawing, let me know. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Or you can also email me, I believe it, bill at myfaithradio.com. We'll get you in the drawing as well. All right, Chris, let me uh, get back to Isaiah 53, verse 6. Of course, the suffering servant. 
Yeah, um, before the break, we left off with Solomon and uh, mm-hmm. oh, that's the, right, the cliffhanger. Uh, yeah, the cliffhanger. We got, we got to get back to the cliffhanger. Yeah, listen, indeed, do. What, was Solomon the promised offspring who would defeat sin and death? And uh, I think we know the answer to that question. Uh, Solomon himself sinned in greater ways than his father David. He conti- especially later in his life, he turned away from the Lord. And, and then throughout the rest of Israel's history, we have this tragic decline. King after king turned away from the Lord, and the kingdom split after Solomon's death. His son, Rehoboam, led the nation down an ungodly path, and then the the ten northern tribes split off. They continued down an idolatrous path. Down south in Judah, there was an occasional king who would lead the people back toward the Lord. But by and large, the nation, both halves of the split, both nations continued on this trajectory toward uh, rebellion against God. So in the midst of all this, God started sending his prophets. Prophets would call the people back to faithfulness to God. We we, we often tend to think about prophets as uh, people who tell the future, mm-hmm. but uh, that's only a small part. I, I recently read it's 20% of what the prophets say have to do with future, uh, you know, kind of predicting God's future judgment and future salvation. Most of what prophets are doing are uh, calling the people back to faithfulness. So several people have said prophets are more forthtelling than they are foretelling. So that's what Isaiah is doing. Well, in Isaiah 53, he's he's doing a little of both. He's calling the people back to the Lord, but he's also telling them about how the Lord will finally deal with the problem of sin. Uh, I've said several times that this problem of sin lingered throughout the, the generations. Uh, I uh, Abraham didn't solve it. Isaac didn't solve it. Moses didn't solve it. David didn't solve it. Solomon didn't solve it. The sacrifices of the law did not solve it. Year after year, as these sacrifices were offered, uh, they continued to remind the people that they needed a substitute for sin, but none of them was the final sacrifice. But then the prophet Isaiah uh, gives us this vision, or the Lord gave the prophet a vision, I should say, of this suffering servant. This servant who uh, bears the griefs of God's people, who's pierced for the transgressions, our transgressions. And so Isaiah 53, 6 is our next verse. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him. On him. Not on a lamb, mm-hmm. not on a bull, not on a, a sacrifice of the law but on the servant in the first part of that verse says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the servant, the iniquity of us all. And what this, and this is probably a familiar passage to, to many of us again, but throughout this passage, we're seeing this servant who endures the pain of death, the pain of suffering uh, for the sake of our sins. So if we know the Bible, we know where this is headed. We're, we, we know who this is pointing to. The prophet is telling us that for the sin problem to be solved, ultimately it requires not a lamb, not a goat, not a bull. It requires a person, a man who suffers uh, on behalf of God's people, a, a, a man who is not guilty himself, an innocent man, uh, at the end of 
Isaiah 53, 9, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet they made his grave with the wicked. So that this man is innocent. He is not guilty the way that David and Solomon and, mm-hmm. and all these other kings were. Yet he takes the penalty that they and all of us deserve on himself. He is the true substitute that the law was always pointing to. So that then is how God tells his people that he will solve the problem of sin. It's through this servant, this innocent servant, who suffers on behalf of us, who dies the death that we should die. And so, uh, Isaiah 53, 10, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Uh, When his soul makes an offering for sin, for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So while this servant goes to death, and we know this is the death of the cross, yet that's not the end of the story. At the end of the chapter, this servant who had just been laid in the grave uh, is seeing his offspring. He's prolonging his days. So that hints at not only the solution to sin, but it also hints at the solution to death itself. Remember, the the two problems that are lingering over this story, sin and death. Because people sin, they die. So sin continues, death continues. But here we have this uh, servant who substitutes for the sin of uh, of all of us. And on the other side of that that substitutionary death, if I can use a theological word there, um, he sees his offspring. He is alive. And so that that really takes us to our next passage in uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. So the servant dies for God's people. He is the substitute that we have all, or that God's people were always waiting for. He's the substitute that we all need. And on the other side of that substitutionary death, he's alive again. How can that be? How can the dead live? And we see this in Isaiah, or excuse me, in Ezekiel 37. So I'm jumping again to another prophet. Uh, the Lord gives this vision to Ezekiel. He's another one of the prophets that God sent to his people. And he, he gives them this vision. It's a strange vision in Ezekiel 37. He brings the prophet into this valley filled with dry bones. It's a picture of death, right? Mm-hmm. The whole, if you've ever seen on a movie or, or anything like that, you know, the, the, all these bones laid out, they're in the sun, they're dried, they're, they're whitened by the sun. And he asked the prophet, the Lord asked the prophet in Ezekiel 37, 3, son of man, can these bones live? That's really the, the question that's hanging over this whole story, uh, Human beings continue to sin, and as a result of of their sin, they're dying. Is there hope? Is there hope in this sin-cursed, fallen world? Is is really the question that he is hanging over Ezekiel's head. And and his answer is, oh, Lord God, you know. (laughs) It's kind of a noncommittal answer. (laughs) You you know. I I don't want to answer it. God says, prophesy, excuse me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So 
again, this is almost comical that, you know, God's telling Ezekiel, speak over these dead, dry bones. And what's he supposed to say over them? Uh, Again, Isaiah, excuse me, Ezekiel 37, 4. O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to them, uh, to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. So the Lord promises that where there is death, he will give life. Where there is nothing but hopelessness, he gives hope. So the, these dead bones uh, have the, the, the breath of God or, or the spirit of God. There's probably a footnote in your Bible. If you read uh, Ezekiel 37, verse 5, the word breath has a footnote, and it probably says something like spirit or the Hebrew word uh, ruach, which means spirit. And so God, really what, what he's saying there is I'm pouring out my spirit on these dead, dry bones. And, and what this is getting at, I think, is another covenant promise from God. This is a promise of the new covenant, mm-hmm. that there's coming a day when he will pour out his spirit on his people. And we see this first in Jesus, which we'll get to in the New Testament, when Jesus rises from the dead by the power of the spirit. But this promise extends to all of those who trust in Jesus, that the hope of life, we're talking a little bit in the beginning of our conversation about this hope of new life, of resurrection life. Where does that resurrection life comes from? come from? Well, it comes from the power of God's Spirit. So the, the two problems throughout the Old Testament, sin and death, are dealt with by God's work and God's work alone. This is nothing that they were able to do for themselves. So on the one hand, through the servant, he would pay the price for sin that we all deserve. On the other hand, through these new covenant promises where God pours out his Spirit on dead, dry bones, which are really, it's really a picture of all of us when we're left in our sin. We are like those dry bones. Mm -hmm. We are spiritually dead, which leads to uh, physical death. So those dry bones really are a picture of all of us apart from the work of God. So only by the work of God can we come to life. Only by the work of God is, is the problem of death finally defeated. So through God's new covenant promises, first of all, the sacrifice of the servant who dies for us, and then he rises again by the power of the spirit. And that same spirit gives life to all of God's people. Preach it, Chris. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. And and so that that's the hope. That's the hope that the prophets hold out to God's people. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're warning them of coming judgment. Yes, they're calling them back to faithfulness, but they're they're telling them that even our sin, even their sin, even my sin, even your sin is not going to keep God from keeping his promises that he will redeem his people and that he will make all things new. And so really that's the last verse uh, in, in our little tour through the Old Testament is in Isaiah 65 verse 17, where uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, proclaims that, that God is making all things new. It says, behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. So through the defeat of sin, through the victory over death, finally these problems are dealt with. And, And when these things are dealt with, God promises that he will make all things new. He will create a new heavens and 
a new earth where his people dwell with him forever. Now, as the Old Testament winds down, God's people had not experienced that. We, we talked about the, the kings leading uh, the people away from the Lord, and, and this eventually led to judgment. It led to exile from the land. The Assyrians first and then the Babylonians next. They took the people out of the land. They took over the land. The kings were not ruling on the throne. The the monarchy or the dynasty of David was not continuing forever. It seemed like it had been cut off. The servant had not decisively dealt with sin. The spirit had not been poured out to give life. But that hope was still there. Those promises were still there. And so as the Old Testament ends, uh, the faithful people of God would have been looking forward, looking forward to that promise to be fulfilled, waiting for the offspring to come, the true offspring of the woman, the true descendant of David, who would come and defeat sin and death and uh, rule over the new creation forever. And, and so that, that's the hope that they're left with at the end of the Old Testament. I love the way the book is set up, Chris, because you, at the end of every chapter, you talk about the theological themes, and then you have a little, the story so far. So you can always have that little brush up, and you can have that in review before you move forward. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a little break. We've got uh, four more verses to discuss. Chris Bruno is my guest in studio, and his book is called The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. I've got five copies. If you want to get in on the drawing, Text the word book to 877-933-2484. I'm guessing you will be one of the lucky ones. I can't guarantee it, but if you are, you'll be happy to get this book. Be right back. Reminding us where our hope is found. With all your heart. This is Faith Radio. It's been said that one man's junk is another man's treasure. This can be especially true when it comes to your outdated Christian reading material and old Bibles. Love packages can put these items into the hands of people all over the world, people starving for the Word of God. Turn your old Christian reading material into another man's treasure. Write to Love Packages, Butler, Illinois, 62015, and visit the website at lovepackages.org. Connecting your faith to your everyday life. I appreciate the constant biblical knowledge. I'm a stay-at-home mom. So reading the Bible can be tough because I can't sit down and read very often. So Faith Radio is definitely my um, place to get the word. Uh, Faith Radio, um, just listening to the programs, it's just very much inspiration to me. We're sharing each day together. On Faith Radio. Dr. Chris Bruno in studio. We're chatting about his book, The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. We're finally to the New Testament, Chris. Let's jump to Mark chapter 1. The time is fulfilled. Yeah. So uh, 
after uh, two visits here and 15 minutes <laughs> left, we finally get to the New Testament. I know, I know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, as we were finishing up the last segment, we were talking about the, the hope that God's people would have been hopeful, hopefully anticipating uh, in that uh, they were waiting for God to fulfill his saving promises, to send this one who would defeat sin and death. Um, we see hints of that in Luke's gospel, Simeon and Anna and Zechariah and, and some of the, and then Mary herself and uh, in, in the way they're understanding these promises. But in Mark's gospel, he just kind of jumps right into it uh, with the ministry of John the Baptist and then Jesus comes on the scene. So in Mark 1, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel means good news. So he's proclaiming good news, the good news of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe this good news. What is the good news? The good news is that the time is fulfilled. All of those promises that they were waiting for are beginning to be fulfilled. God is keeping his promises to save his people, to redeem the world, The kingdom of God is at hand. His rule over all things is being reestablished. And it's being reestablished through Jesus, the king. So Jesus shows up and announces that all of these things we've been waiting for, all of these promises we see in the Old Testament, everything we're, we're putting our hopes on is going to be fulfilled. And it's going to be fulfilled through me. So uh, you could imagine a faithful Israelite who had heard these promises from their grandparents and their grandparents before them had heard these promises from their grandparents, going back generations and generations, waiting for God to keep his promises, waiting for this promised offspring to come. And finally, Jesus shows up and says, the time is fulfilled. Everything you've been waiting for is beginning to happen. Therefore, repent, turn away from your sin, turn away from your hope in looking to other things, turn, turn away from hope in Rome, turn away from hope in, in some kind of military uh, solution to your problems, turn away from your own sin and your own uh, selfishness, turn away from trying to work your way into the kingdom and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Believe that God is doing what he said he would do. Believe that God is the one who saves. Believe that God is the one who deals with sin and death once and for all. So Jesus is announcing that. And we see throughout the Gospels, he's showing his power through the miracles. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. He's teaching about the, the nature of his kingship. But many of his fellow Jews did not understand what the Messiah was to do. What they really stumbled over was this idea of a suffering Messiah. See, they failed to understand what Isaiah 53 was teaching them, that the promised one, the promised offspring of David, was also a promised substitute who would suffer for them. We, we even see this in his own disciples when uh, Jesus tells them that he's going to his death, and, and Peter says, I I won't let them take you. And how does Jesus respond? 
Thanks for your loyalty. No, he says, get behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. You're not speaking the things of God, but the, the things of man, the things of Satan. So they failed to understand that the Messiah, the promised one, was a suffering Messiah. But Jesus is resolute. Throughout all four Gospels, we see the same uh, resolution that he is committed to go to Jerusalem. And he knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem. He was going to go to the cross. And so that, that's where we go in our next verse. Uh, and we could look at all four Gospels for this. But uh, in the book, we look at John chapter 19. Verse 30, it is finished. It is finished. Mm-hmm. So uh, the weight of that is extraordinary. What, what is finished? The sacrifices of the law. They're finished. They're done. Because here is the final sacrifice. What is finished? It, it, it's the waiting for God to keep his promises. What is finished? It, it, it's all of our striving to solve our sin problem on our own, waiting for somebody to come to do it. All of God's covenant promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And when he says, it is finished on the cross. He's saying the battle has been won. Sin is defeated in a surprising way. He, many of the, the Jews on the street in the first century would have expected the enemies of God to be defeated in a very different way. That's why everybody else, Jesus isn't the only one who claimed to be the Messiah in the first century, but every other Messiah that we know of was a military Messiah. He would mm-hmm. try to fight the Romans and, and push them out of their land. But Jesus wins the victory in a very different way by going to the cross, fulfilling the promises of Isaiah 53 and suffering for the sin of us all. And so that, that is what is finished. The price for sin, the punishment for sin is finished for everyone who turns to Jesus and trusts in him not in their accomplishments, not in their own ability, not in their own righteousness, but trust in Jesus alone as the substitute who pays the price for their sin. But like Isaiah 53 and Ezekiel 37 uh, should have let them know that's not the end of the story. Jesus doesn't go to the cross, die, and uh, is buried, and then is just left there, right? Uh, all of the Gospels point to this, some in long, longer than others, but all of the Gospels point to the fact that Jesus did not stay in the tomb. He rose again, just as the prophets looked forward to, that the servant would come out the other side of death victorious over the grave because he's the only innocent man. He's the only truly righteous one. Sin could not hold him. Death could not hold him. So he rises again from the dead, and, and, and we could go all over the New Testament to explain this, but in Romans 1, we see Paul, now we're jumping again in the story because I know our time is just about gone, but uh, after Jesus rises from the dead, he sends out his apostles, and then he calls Paul, who formerly persecuted the church, that's a whole other story, but Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's talking about the gospel the gospel of God, same phrase that Jesus uses in Mark. And this gospel, verse Romans 1, 3, concerns his son, as God's son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So again, 
2 Samuel 7, this is fulfilling the promises. This whole story fits together. He was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, there's so much here. Uh, This declaration of Jesus being the Son of God in power, this doesn't mean Jesus wasn't the Son of God beforehand or something like that. What it means is his resurrection demonstrates it's an evidence that he's truly the son of God, uh, according to the spirit of holiness. So by the spirit, the power of the spirit that we saw in Ezekiel 37, Jesus is risen from the dead. So Paul points to two or three of the passages that we've seen that Paul, excuse me, that, that Jesus is the son of David. He fulfills that covenant with David. He's declared son of God through his resurrection, by the power of the Spirit. So Jesus is is the one who defeated sin and death. This is the son of David who is truly victorious over the enemies of God. Now, uh, as as we unpack this further in the book, the next uh, verse is actually five verses, which uh, I know our time is short, but uh, Romans 3, 21 through 26, Paul teaches us about uh, what exactly the cross is doing. What is the cross doing? It it is providing the foundation of our justification. The righteousness of God is manifested uh, apart from the law, Romans 3.21. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Isaiah 53. And all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This is to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has the faith in Jesus. And, and so all of this comes together. God is just and justifier. He's just in that Jesus pays the price for sin that we all deserve, and he justifies the ungodly as we're united to Jesus by faith alone. And all of this is leading us then to the new creation where God, we will live with God forever, the one who makes all things new. Really great, Chris. Dr. Chris Bruno has been my guest. His book is The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. Get in on the drawing. Text the word book to 877-93-FAITH. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.